0: Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? hell is a foreign forward- But that hiccup was is is not, not first good. What so do frustrating? I want my life
1: to look like in five years?
0: We, we want to know, know too. too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Every Girl Podcast. Emma, this is your first recording from Chicago.
1: It is my first recording. I would love for the people to know that I am on the floor, <laughs> live from the floor. Live
2: from the floor. The
1: floor of my
0: closet. Good times. You learn to be scrappy. Everyone has to do it. And your yeah. internet installation went well. <laughs> I know that people are going to want to hear
1: I know the people were waiting for an update on my internet installation. I did do it at 11 p.m. on the night that I moved into my apartment. I put it off to the last thing because I was so afraid, Sure, but it did work out for me.
0: Do you feel like a badass independent woman that you installed your own internet?
1: I do. I do. Good for you. I achieved many things that day among which moving into my first apartment, <laughs> the real triumph was setting up my internet. <laughs> <laughs> moving across the country,
0: whatever. Setting up your internet, <laughs> hell yeah. You should be proud. Thank you. How are you doing? You know, I'm good. Emma and I are both on our periods. This is my number one favorite conversation. So everyone's like, get over it. We get it. You <laughs> have a period. But yes, I do like to talk to my employees about our cycles, my coworkers.
1: You know, it's so funny, I you know sent our year celebration episode to my friends in our group chat, and they listened to it, and they were like, "You talk about your luteal phase with your boss?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cool boss, okay? We chat about our luteal phases." <laughs>
1: I think that's what a healthy work environment looks
0: like. <laughs> I agree. And I would also say that is the perk of an all-female work environment is that it? that's a very normal topic of conversation as it should be because I know firsthand how much it impacts your productivity. Emma also knows I schedule when I can. I schedule interviews around my period. So Emma also knows where my yes. cycle is. And I think that that's helpful. I think that that's like a beautiful thing that we as women can do is support each other's bodies. That sounds weird, but...
1: I'm like, wow, I have a really busy week this week. Josie must be in her follicular phase.
0: <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my God. Everyone's like, I do not want to work for this crazy woman.
1: <laughs> no, no, I do.
0: That's Which so funny. actually
1: is the perfect segue into our Ask the Every Girl question.
0: Oh my God. Week. Okay. I can't wait.
1: Speaking of all female workplaces and how fantastic they are. The question is, how did you get your job at the Every Girl?
0: (sighs) Love. Oh, this is fun. Oh, I love this. Okay. Emma, I kind of want you to go first on this one since you are, you're fresh.
1: fresh. Except not that fresh, frankly.
0: (laughs) You're seasoned with the Every Girl, but you're fresh and you're like, Graduated college, moving to a big city. Yeah. So you start.
1: Okay. So I have been reading the Every Girl since I was 15 years old. So I was a freshman in high school when I first found the Every Girl and decided that I wanted to work there. So my journey to getting this job has involved an intense amount of self-trust, like trusting my 15-year-old self and having that dream of writing for an online publication, I've been tested, I would say, but I really trusted myself at every phase. I trusted myself through high school, through college, and then when I decided it was time to apply for the internship, which I had been stalking the job postings for years on the Evergirl <laughs> website. And being like, I just wish I was like old enough and qualified enough. And once I felt like the time was right. I actually also stalked Josie for a long
0: time. <laughs> you have to them about our love story too.
1: Our love story. I was a sophomore in college. I was taking my first ever journalism class for my minor. And I had an assignment to write a piece. And I decided I wanted to write a piece about biohacking. And I decided I wanted to reach out to Josie because I knew that you like put stuff in your coffee, basically, <laughs> from your Instagram story. And When I reached out, I DM'd you. I didn't expect you to respond, but I didn't frame it as a networking opportunity. I wasn't like, I've been dying to
0: work at the Every Girl for five
1: years. (laughs) That's a good tip right
0: there. You're not making someone feel used almost when you're reaching out to them. Yeah, so then I think it helped
1: that you knew me when you were hiring for the podcast role. Yes, I that helped. (laughs) Taking some time off and then reapplying as a podcast intern. The rest is history. But I would say for anyone out there who is like, I have a dream job and that that's what you want to do. I think it takes an immense amount of self-trust and you really have to lean into it because people will tell you that job isn't going to make you enough money. They'll tell you that it's too out there and they'll like kind of shit on your job a little sometimes. And you just have to trust even your 15 year old self
2: who wants to Mm -hmm. do what you love.
0: That's really great advice. So you're saying like when you were younger, like growing up and you wanted to go into journalism and people would respond like there's no future in that. So that's the self-trust of like, I know everyone's telling me it's unrealistic, but I know that it's the right thing for me. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point at which
1: five months ago I was trying to figure out what I was actually going to do with my life. And I was like, should I be going into PR because it's more money and a little more stable? And I had to trust myself literally up until that point.
0: I, I like you calling it trusting yourself rather than trusting a dream or like not letting a dream go. It's like you're you're trusting what you really want. And you're knowing if you really want that thing, then it must be the right thing for you.
1: Yeah. Can I hear your story? I feel like I don't know the full story. That's a of how you started to work for the Evergirl, but...
0: Okay. Let's see. Let me think back. So I first heard about the Evergirl also when I was in high school, which was when the Evergirl had launched in 2010. And I first saw them on Pinterest, which is like very much how we were known back in the day. So I love them. I somehow found out that the Every Girl was based in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. That's where I'm from. And not a lot of big media companies are in Chicago. You know, they're all pretty much New York, some in LA. So I had gone to intern during college in Paris. I like Mm -hmm. to throw that out there. For Elle magazine. Have you heard of it? Thank you. (laughs) Josie's internship in Paris. Josie in Paris. (laughs) Jose Harris. <laughs> it was not as cool as it sounds. I very much was scrappy. So I had this internship that I loved, but I was like, you know, I didn't want to do a summer in New York, even if I could, and I probably couldn't even have gotten an internship, but I just, I had wanted to go into fashion magazines. I wanted to be like Anna Wintour was my goal. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to work for a big fashion magazine but I don't want to have to go try to find an apartment or find some place to stay in New York or LA. I want to stay in Chicago. I love the Every Girl. They were based in Chicago and I would love to be able to write for them. And that was my summer after my junior year of college. There was no internship posting. I just was like emailing. I found Elena's email. At that point, there were like, how many, four full-time employees? Like it was very small. I know. So I was emailing every email I could find. And I want to say this because that ended up working for me was to continually emailing the same emails over and over and just like checking in. I remember like one time they responded being like, Oh yeah, we'll have an internship posting soon. So keep checking back in. So then I would like email three weeks later and be like, Hello, Elena. I hope you're having a great start to your spring. Just checking in on the internship posting, (laughs) like checking in a lot. So like that worked for me to continually check in. I don't think that that's a thing that works anymore because I do feel like networking is such a thing that most people are getting inundated by messages of connect with me, tell me about something. So I loved your point of like you connected in a way that wasn't seeming like I want to use you to get into your brand or, you know, I feel like we're a networking culture right now. So it happens a lot. So I will say like being persistent is obviously key to getting any dream job. But to me, it doesn't always mean trying the same thing over and over. It doesn't always mean reaching out to the same people over and over or applying for the same job. I think persistence is actually more about trying a bunch of different things to get the same results. You know, it's about like knocking on every door, not continuously knocking on one door. Yeah. For me, it obviously worked to keep messaging the same people, poor Lena and the other people that work there That's that were really like, cool. this, girl. this girl. <laughs> yeah. she's got to chill. But it might mean like, if you really do want to work for a company, reach out to multiple different people, try different job openings, you know, follow the brand on Instagram and engage with their content. Like there are so many different ways to get to where you want. So I think that persistence is about trying a bunch of different things so that you're not honing in on one door and repeatedly knocking at it. So then, so I got the internship loved it. I graduated. They sent me an offer letter, which was so amazing. And then I started as editorial assistant. So I did all the fun things of an editorial assistant. And then I became a fashion features manager because again, I was working towards like the Anna Wintour fashion queen. And so I would do our photo shoots. At that point, I moved to LA and did seasonal fashion shoots and styled them, executed, managed all the things. And then I started getting more interested in wellness. I'd always been really interested in wellness, but it kind of felt like my calling more, which is cheesy, but I just felt like I love fashion. I'm enjoying it, but I feel this calling of, I want to help people in this way. So I became a health coach. I started my own health coaching company. And then I also transitioned on the Every Girl into the wellness editor. Then cut to, is this story like really dragging on? No, like I'm like, this really, is this is Those the is screenplay harder. of my career.
1: It's so interesting though, because you have lived all these different lives at the same company, which is yeah. so rare.
0: Yeah, it's so Thank rare. You. Yeah, it, it yeah. does not happen a lot in, I feel like for a generation. So I do feel very lucky. Yeah. Well, I feel very lucky that I felt really supported. And as my interest changed, my job was able to change too. And I feel really lucky that my company and my bosses supported me in every phase of my life. Yeah. So then cut two. I started feeling like I love writing. I love editing. I love overseeing the wellness content, but I am feeling something lacking. I love being the center of attention. I love talking to people. And from behind a screen, I don't really get to talk to people. And I also started realizing like, I felt like I had things to say that weren't necessarily like translatable into an article on the site. Mm -hmm. So then the podcast is a thing that the Evergirl is talking about. And we had brainstorms even like four years ago, I want to say we had a brainstorm that was like before it was on my radar, but it it had been a conversation for a while. And then what year was that? 2021. It was like, okay, we're, we're going to do it in the next year. And I, went to my amazing boss slash, I always call her my mentor, because she really is our editor-in-chief and was like, I really want to do this. So my lesson in that is like, that was the only time in my entire career, honestly, that I like really, I feel like went out of my way to ask for something. Like I'm very much not a squeaky wheel kind of girl. So advocating for yourself. And I think trusting, like I agree with your self-trust more than anything else, like Mm self-trust. But I also, I think that there's something to be said about trusting the people that are around you too. Trusting that the person you work for, the team that you work for, that people want you to thrive too. And they want you to be happy. If you can't trust that, like if you've been shown that they don't care if you're happy, they don't care if you thrive, then maybe that's a sign to look elsewhere. If you are happy where you are, I think trusting that your boss, your team want you to thrive as well, I think has been helpful for me. That question really is always the, honestly, the number one question we get asked. Yeah. It's like, how would you get your job? And I think probably because there's just no one way, if you're becoming an accountant, if you're becoming a lawyer, it's not easy to get, obviously it's not easy to get those jobs, but I just mean like, there's like, okay, you go to law school you get an internship with a firm. I don't actually yeah. know how that, that one goes, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's it's a come process. Yes. There's yeah. a process to do things, whereas in media or in a more creative industry, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different ways that we got here. And also everyone listening, please write in and ask us all your questions. You can email us at podcast at the evergirl.com or you can DM us on Instagram at the evergirl podcast. We love to hear from you. We are loving these questions. And also if you're enjoying this new format of us, me and Emma shooting the shit and answering some questions, please let us know you're enjoying it by leaving a review on Apple podcasts. You just have to click on the evergirl podcast and scroll down to where it says ratings and reviews and just write us a review there. It not only helps us know what you're enjoying so we can make even better content for you, but it is the best way you can support our show. So please take the time to rate and review. Let's dive into the episode today. Taylor Burke is a certified holistic health coach and founder of My Girl Wellness, an online community and line of high end natural supplements that targets everything from digestive discomfort to sexual wellness. Some of my friends text me that they're so excited about this episode because they love following Taylor on, on Instagram and her tips do not disappoint. In this episode, we dive into gut health, why it's so important, everything Taylor did to heal her gut that you can apply to your health too, and she gives some really great tips about what to look for in a probiotic or gut health supplement since the market can feel very oversaturated. She also shares her pregnancy wellness tips, balancing a busy work life and taking care of yourself, and so many more little wellness nuggets that I think are really, really helpful that you guys are going to love. So, please welcome Taylor Burke to the Every Girl Podcast. Well, Taylor, we are beyond excited to have you. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am curious to start with your personal experience with health. When was the first time that you got into health?
2: It was definitely in high school when our bodies are going through so many hormonal changes and we're we're evolving from being young girls to women. And I noticed a lot of different things going on with my body. That's when I really started to feel uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't really know why at the time I wasn't really, you know, in high school, we don't, we're not super self-conscious or at least when I was in high school, it wasn't like a big topic like health and wellness is today. It's, it's completely transformed. And I was always really uncomfortable in my skin. I felt always kind of bloated and just, I just felt off. And that's where it started, not saying that that's kind of where I um, kind of kicked off my health journey, but it's definitely where I started feeling self-conscious and I would kind of like restrict certain foods, thinking that was the way to go or just over exercise. And I felt myself creating these unhealthy habits. And then it was really when I went to college that I started tuning in and focusing on the specific types of foods that I was putting in my body and finding out the right workouts for me, and then diving into the world of health and wellness and supplements and how to optimize different aspects of my health and well-being.
0: Mm. I feel like we all can relate to that high school time because for most of us, health was carbs, protein, fats, less calories, intense workout, soul cycle. Like That was the extent of health. It wasn't feel your best, get more in touch with your body, heal your hormones, heal your gut. The mainstream was very much like you work out and you eat to look a certain way. That was the extent.
2: Yeah. Taking drastic measures that were, in fact, we were trying to be healthy but in turn, we're doing the exact opposite. And a lot of the time that we can cause harm to our body and put our, our bodies into a much worse state than you know what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, that's the perfect word for it is drastic. We thought that that was the right way to be healthy. And for me, that totally turned me off. And I have such a similar story, like hearing your progress of like, whoa, there's a whole world out there that's not just about how you look, it's about how you feel. For me, was such a a pivotal moment was like getting into that phase and being like, "Oh my god, health is so much more." So I'm curious, like, what inspired you to go there? Did you have symptoms that you wanted to heal? Like, what inspired you to look deeper into what health really means?
2: Yeah, so it definitely started from a personal need, and then it kind of transformed into this business of mine unintentionally, but. I was, what I found out was struggling with severe gut issues. So I was always the girl forever bloated, forever, just in stomach discomfort, forever constipated. Like I could go five to seven days without going to the bathroom, no matter how hard I tried to uptake my fiber, my water. And it really made me so uncomfortable in my skin compared to everyone else. And I was super insecure. I didn't know kind of what was going on. I thought I was just like hereditary. So I really wanted to find a way to take control of my own health without relying on doctors who are just like prescribing medicine. And I was going into a lot of research where that's when I first started realizing like, oh yeah, you're not supposed to just put a Band-Aid on the problem. Like, what is the reason behind the symptoms you're experiencing? So... Came from a personal need, and then I decided to take my health coaching certification for that to find solutions and really educate myself um, because no one's going to appreciate my body as much as me. you know. No one's going to take care of it as much as I can. So I really wanted to feel that sense of ownership and accountability and control over my body and my health. Because to doctors, a lot of the time, they're just like a number. A lot of doctors, not all of them. So I got my health coaching certification right out of college while I was working a full-time job. I did that on the side. And then I just found myself so submerged in this new world. And it was such a warm, welcoming place with so much to learn and so much positivity that I was like, wait a minute, like, I love the way that this is making me feel personally. I want to help other women discover this as well, because I was feeling so lost in my health journey. And all of a sudden I started feeling like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So I was, I was like, I want to do this as a career. I want to be able to not just help myself, but how can I help the masses all at once? So that's kind of where I started. And then I wanted to start in gut health because what I learned was that the gut is the core of our health and well-being. So not only does it help with our digestion, but it's really in control of our mood. So like anxiety and depression levels, how well or how bad we sleep our brain and heart health, our skin health, our energy levels, our cognitive function, our immunity. So my perspective was if I can help myself and everyone else heal their gut issues, then in turn, other aspects of their health could naturally fall into place. If they're experiencing restless sleep, then they don't have to be taking melatonin every night, or if they're having you know really bad skin flare-ups, maybe healing their gut can help heal their skin as well. So we really wanted to start with healing the gut. And I spent a year with an award-winning microbiologist and his team being the guinea pig. And I knew that if these products that we were developing would heal my own gut issues, because I scaled myself from like a one to 10, I was a 10. I knew if they would fix my problems, that they would fix
0: thousands of other women out there as well too. I mean, it's a joke on TikTok about how every hawk girl has IBS. You know, like we all have... Such severe issues. I know people that have chronic diarrhea and have like really bad stomach pain. I am someone who I'm still dealing with constipation, and I just like can't get things moving. So it's just wild how women women especially have so many gut health issues. And yes, we, we're talking more about gut health now in today's world, but there's still not a lot of resources out there that are helping women actually heal. It's kind of like, sorry, that's how it is. You know, here's a laxative. I was prescribed laxatives in my life, you know, so it's amazing to do what you do where you're helping to share that wealth. And I totally agree that like the gut is like, I always say the gut is the biggest bang for your buck because it affects so many things. So if you're going to invest in healing something, it's well worth your time, whether you have gut symptoms or not. So what for you helped your healing journey besides your amazing supplements that you were working on? were, Were there other rituals, habits, foods, different things that you did to help heal your gut?
2: Yeah, 100%. So I always say that although I own a supplement company, I always say that food comes first. Food is medicine. And then supplements are there to supplement where you're lacking. So definitely tuning into what I was eating, trying to avoid or limit cruciferous vegetables that would make me bloat up. I think every single person is so different. So what I recommend might be different for you or someone else out there. And so I'm not like super strict because if you take a minute and just quiet yourself and listen to your body and tune in and see how you feel after you eat a specific thing, like your answers are going to be within. So for me, that was limiting cruciferous vegetables, completely canceling out preservatives or artificial ingredients in my foods, and just trying to stick to completely whole foods while still having balance. And then making sure that I find my ways to de-stress every single day. And I'm so not a meditation person. There's nothing against people who are. I, I 100% respect it and I wish I could dive into it a little bit more, but meditation never worked for me. It would actually ignite my, my brain and my anxiety even more, no matter how hard I tried. So my advice is always find what works for you to de-stress and turn off. So it doesn't have to be meditation or it can be, it can be five minutes. It can be 45 minutes if that's what you love. It could be putting your phone away and reading a book or walking by the beach. Finding something to do each day to de-stress really brings down your cortisol levels, which helps your hormones, but it also helps limit the growth of bad bacteria in your stomach, which leads to an imbalance in your gut and all those icky symptoms that you're feeling. And then definitely prioritizing sleep. I mean, I feel like a broken record. Everyone always talks about that, but getting good quality hours. So putting your phone away early and making sure that you get seven to nine hours. I'm more of like an eight to nine hour gal. Like I need that to be happy the next morning. Otherwise my whole day is out of whack. And I actually feel much more anxious and and kind of sad the next day throughout the day, if I don't have a good sleep. And then my biggest tip that I just have noticed the greatest difference when it comes to my gut health is walking after meals. Even if it's 10, 15 minutes, it just kind of kickstarts your metabolism and your digestion. Instead of being stagnant, you know, after dinner, if we like lay on a couch, that food is just sitting in us and it's so hard to digest. Even just walking around your neighborhood, call a girlfriend that you haven't caught up with in a while, have it stack that and knock something out while you do it. The difference I have felt by doing that is absolutely absurd. So those are just some lifestyle tips on top of our three products that... I love to incorporate as well too. There's simple shifts. It's not anything that's so overwhelming, just making sure to make simple changes that make the biggest impact in your life.
0: Those are all really, really good tips that I feel like people brush off easily, but they actually make the hugest difference. For me, the biggest factor of my entire life, whether it's hormones, gut health, healing symptoms, the biggest factor was the stress component. Can you talk a little bit about how? stress affects the gut for people out there who are skeptical of like, yeah, sure, but I should focus on stool tests and antibiotics. How does stress actually affect the gut for people who don't know?
2: In simplest terms, if I can break it down super easy for everyone, is that when you're stressed, your cortisol levels spike. One, that affects your hormone health, which is a whole different topic of conversation. But when it comes to the gut, when you have high cortisol levels, it actually causes the good and bad bacteria in your stomach to get imbalanced. So the bad bacteria rises, which takes over the good bacteria. And that's what causes the imbalance where you could be experiencing digestive issues. You could be experiencing poor sleep or skin issues. And if you've ever noticed when you are in like a really stressful situation or you have trauma, you feel sick to your stomach, or sometimes it makes you like go to the bathroom, you can't hold anything in. It just shows the gut brain connection of how your emotions and your stomach, your digestive system talk to one another through their receptors. So I know that when I'm going through something really stressful or something that I can't really process, my stomach turns into knots. And you can just feel the impact, the negative impact it has on your gut. So keeping those low cortisol levels down helps your body, it prevents it from the bad bacteria kind of taking over the good.
0: It's crazy when you think about it, when we're talking about every woman is experiencing some kind of gut issue, but then when you look at what we're doing to ourselves, when we're in fight or flight, the digestive system shuts down because if we had to run from a tiger our digestive system would need to shut down so that we had energy to actually run away. That's what the body knows. It doesn't know that the stress is coming from a stressful work meeting. It thinks that there's a tiger and we have to run or we have to fight. So when you think about it and what we're doing to ourselves in this world, where we are sitting at our desk and scarfing down lunch in between stressful meetings, or we're taking a smoothie on the go, of course, we're not able to digest our food properly, which then leads to all these other issues. And then it leads to chronic problems in the gut. Like, of course, we all have gut issues. Of course, our gut is not able to thrive in the environment. Do you feel like that's where the root of a lot of these gut issues stem from? I mean,
2: I think it's a combination of everything. I think stress is one of the biggest factors. I also think it's a lot about what we choose to put in our bodies. Thank God people and in companies and brands are becoming a little more conscious of that. But it's definitely our, our new lifestyle. We are go, 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 go nonstop. And it directly reflects in our health. We are so quick. It's like, we're on our phone, we're off our phone, we're driving here, we're driving there. Like life is so fast paced now that it's really, it's, it's causing a, a big impact on our bodies. And have you ever noticed, I personally think there's a correlation with this. When I'm on vacation and I am so much more relaxed, I can eat more things that I'm not used to and not feel the negative side effects. You haven't gained weight. Like you're not feeling all gross and disgusting most of the time. And I just, I feel a lot more at peace because my stress levels are down. I'm able to relax and enjoy life and I'm
0: not going 1000 miles per hour. Like I usually am. That is so true. Like even that's what I was going to say about the the walking after meals too. I think that's so essential. Like people are like, why can I eat whatever I want in Italy? obviously that's also a factor. Like there's cleaner ingredients, more whole ingredients, but also you're walking more often so then your digestive system's moving. But I actually think what you're saying too, of like, I'm thinking when I've been on vacations where I'm like a bum on the beach and I don't, I'm not walking around, I'm not moving. And I feel so much better and can eat more without having the symptoms I normally have. You're so right. That's probably just because you're more relaxed. You're like looking at mealtimes as this is a time to enjoy. You know, I'm sitting down with the people that I'm with Or I'm relaxing on a beach and having a fruit plate and loving my life and chips and salsa, and I'm feeling really good because I'm relaxed. And so the food is actually able to go through me and be digested. That makes so much sense. So how do we apply that to our lives? Like, Are you aware of how you set up mealtime so that you're able to properly digest? What are some tips that you can share for people that are like, oh my God, that's me. What do I do about it?
2: Yeah. So I think the biggest tip and it's something so simple, but it's so commonly and easily overlooked is chewing all of your food rather than gulping it down, making sure that you chew it all the way through because it helps your digestive process. You're doing a lot of the work in your mouth. So your stomach can digest it easier. Just being a little more conscious. I mean, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes if I haven't eaten and I have back-to-back calls or something, I'll be on the phone and I'll be eating and I'll look down like, oh my gosh, my food is gone. Like, I don't remember (laughs) that. Oops, (laughs) what happened there. How fast did I eat that? Like, you have no idea. It's like you go into this autopilot being so much more conscious about how you eat, how fast you eat, how well you chew. It really does make a huge positive impact for your gut health.
0: That's such a good tip. I actually just heard somewhere that we're supposed to be enjoying our food because that's a serotonin hit. Like that's a a, a crucial part of our brain health is getting the serotonin. And part of that comes from enjoying our food, but that they did a study recently. I'm going to butcher this. So don't come for me people, but it was something like they just did a study where the serotonin hit now for most people is coming from the scent instead of the taste, because it's like a subconscious thing to smell our food, like we're getting in that scent, but we're not tasting it really because we're just like downing it so that the serotonin hit is lesser, even from foods that we love, like ice cream or pizza or pasta, we're actually getting less of the serotonin, less of the pleasure. So then we are wanting to eat more because our brain's like, well, we haven't had enough pleasure from this, so we're needing to get more of it just because we're not actually tasting and enjoying it. So I love that intention of just like, Let me use all my senses, including my taste buds, because a lot of us think we're using them and we're just not, to fully enjoy the meal and to actually be receiving the pleasure. I think that's such a crucial piece of optimizing our gut that people miss is like before it even gets to the gut, how are we treating that process? It's so true how it's like the gut starts before we're even eating. You know, it starts from
2: the way that
0: we're taking in our food. Yeah, the digestion starting from the mouth.
2: Food is supposed to nourish you. Absolutely. That's a huge reason why we eat it. But it is such an enjoyable part of life. Like it's something that brings us so much joy. So making sure we take advantage of that and not forget that and let that pass by. I am such a foodie. I love food. It brings people together. Like it's so fun to have dinner parties or go out with a significant other to get food. And it's part of the whole
0: experience of life. So making sure that we don't forget about that aspect of it as well. I think it's really healing for people to hear a health expert like you say that. I think that that heals the inner teenager in all of us who's like, oh my God, I shouldn't be eating carbs. I have to eat vegetables. And like I think hearing someone like you say that publicly is honestly. A healing thing. The other follow up question I had for you, I want to talk more about these cruciferous vegetables because I said that that was essential for you healing your gut. I know that people listening are like, "What? Like, am I not supposed to be eating cruciferous vegetables?" So tell me more about this.
2: Yeah, no, 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 I'm not saying don't eat them at all. And like I said, test it out on yourself. For me, like I was obsessed with this one kale salad at this restaurant, and I would eat the whole thing. I absolutely loved it, and I I noticed. The whole rest of the night, I'd have the worst stomach ache. The next day, I was so bloated and uncomfortable and made me realize like, yes, it's deemed healthy. It's not that you should be staying away from those things because they have a lot of nutrients and they're super dense and the essentials that we need in our body, but sometimes too much of it can really trigger some negative impacts. So for me, I can't eat an entire kale salad. So from my eyes, it's just having a small portion of that rather than going all in with a big salad or limiting my Brussels sprouts and broccoli and cauliflower. That would really make me just feel so icky in the stomach. I love those foods. I don't want to give them up, but just being conscious of how much I eat and then how often I eat them and then also just balancing out your plate. So it's okay to be having those cruciferous vegetables if you love them, but making sure that you have healthy fat. And protein to complement and go with it, and carbs. Your body needs carbs. Our energy is given to us by eating carbs. So I think just being conscious of your your portions of those cruciferous vegetables. That's personally what helped me. I will never give those foods up. I will never tell anyone to unless they want to and they think it's in their best interest. But just making sure that you are being aware of your intake, and then also just like I said, seeing how you feel. If you eat an entire bowl of broccoli and you feel totally fine keep doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's different. I personally have found taking a digestive enzyme before meals, especially ones where I know foods might trigger something in me has made a massive impact. It really helps speed up your digestion of those foods. So it passes through you quicker. It helps break down those foods. So it helps eliminate bloating and gas and stomach discomfort, and actually helps your body absorb the nutrients from those foods quicker.
0: Speaking of, of those supplements, I feel like the supplement industry is so overwhelming. It's one of the questions I get asked a lot as a wellness editor is like, there is so much out there. I don't know what to pick. I think, especially with gut health, there's like the probiotics, postbiotics, prebiotics, digestive enzymes, like then there's the L-glutamine. There's like all these different supplements that it's like a new person on TikTok is saying, this is the thing that's going to heal your gut. So from someone who is an expert in supplements and has a supplement company, I would love if you could share how someone can know what gut health supplements are right for them and what they should be looking for in something like a probiotic where there are so many options out there and it can be overwhelming.
2: I was definitely one of those people before starting this, where I was like, "There, everyone's recommending like 15 different types of this certain thing. Like how am yeah. I going to find the right one? What if I make a mistake? And there's all these different supplements. There's only so many hours in the day and so many pills I can swallow. And it makes you not want to take anything. It's like almost an information load where you, you actually deprioritize your health because of how many options there are. So really narrowing it down. And in my opinion, it's, it's choosing a few things and doing it really well. So committing to those rituals every single day where, you know, you're not going to fall out of them after a week or two. And you really feel like it's attainable because when we take on too much, especially like think of like new year's resolutions, when we make a list of 15 things, chances are you're probably not going to reach all those. If you narrow it down to three or five big ones, you can commit to that. So that's how I prioritize my health and and my needs. So I personally think taking a daily probiotic is the biggest bang for your buck. It helps with so many different aspects of your health. And it's as simple as taking one to two capsules a day and that's it. But there are so many probiotics out there. So when I recommend a probiotic, I have a few different things in my criteria. So number one is making sure that your probiotic has a 100% survivability rate if possible. Meaning that once you consume them, they completely stay alive by the time they reach your small intestines. 90% of probiotics out there on the market fail to pass this test. So they may say that they have 90 billion or trillion probiotics in it and it does this and it does that. But if the majority of those are failing to stay alive by the time they reach to your stomach, it's essentially not working. So making sure that you have a 100% survivability rate and don't be afraid to ask because it is your health and it is your investment. These things cost money and it's an investment in your health for the future. So making sure you have the right ones is really important. Feel free to ask for their clinical studies and lab tests to prove their efficacy. So to prove that they actually work. I personally love receiving these emails where someone's like, Hey, like, do you have any clinical studies on your probiotic strains? I love when they ask, and I'm so generous with offering up the studies that we have to prove that we have a 100% survivability rate meaning that our probiotics will actually work they've been proven through lab and clinical studies so that's a number one and then definitely having a multi strain probiotic so our probiotic has three separate strains that also do three separate things but complement each other very well and you want a multi strain probiotic because it's diverse meaning that it also helps enhance a diversity in your gut. You want to make sure there's a lot of diversity in your gut so it can withhold and handle a bunch of different things in your stomach. If you're really limiting, kind of how you limit your food, if you're so specific with only eating like three to five different types of food, when you eat something else, it's really going to upset your stomach. So you want to make sure that you have a diverse community in your your gut to really make sure that it enhances your overall health. And then I personally think that spore-based probiotics are the best. They have the highest viability, meaning that they have the highest survivability rate. They're also stable at room temperature. There was this trend back in the day where people thought that refrigerated probiotics were the best. They also somehow had the highest price tag on them, I always noticed. But if you think about it, if a, a probiotic has to stay alive by being in a cold environment, what is it going to do when you consume it and it reaches your body temperature of, what is it, like 98 point something degrees? So true. That's and such a stay point. Alive. So those are a few things I always look out for, tell people to look out for in their probiotics. Pay attention to the strains and what they say they do and make sure they align with what you're looking for. Like Our probiotic has clinical lab studies to help ease symptoms of IBS. So that's something we're super proud of. So just making sure you find one that aligns with what you're looking for as well too, as well as having the credibility behind it.
0: Will it say, or should it say in the bottle if it's 100% survivability rate, or is that something you have to reach out to customer service to confirm?
2: If they have great marketing, they'll have it, they'll have it everywhere because you want to tout that. You want to make sure that they have that. If, if, you, if they don't, definitely reach out. Some don't put it on there because they don't have that. They don't know because they haven't done the studies to prove that. It's expensive. Those tests and trials and everything cost a lot of money, which is why a lot of brands don't have them.
0: Mm. And what about prebiotics, postbiotics? What's your opinion on all of this, and how does someone make sure that they have those as well? I
2: love taking a probiotic in supplement form because I think it's a little harder to consume all the quantity that you need through food. I think prebiotics is a lot easier, where you can get prebiotics from asparagus, from bananas, from onions there's a full list. So for me, I feel like I get enough of my prebiotics from my food. So I personally do not need to take one. I like to limit the types of supplements I take. So prebiotics, I personally don't feel like I need to take every single day. And postbiotics are super new. I do think they're they're beneficial if you can add something to your list. But also, again, I personally believe that probiotics are the most important because they're actually adding good bacteria to your stomach when we're lacking. So if you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, you need to be replenished with good bacteria in your stomach where prebiotics help feed and nourish the good bacteria that's in your stomach.
0: And you can get that from bananas, onions, Garlic, asparagus, asparagus. Exactly. yeah.
2: So there's a lot of foods. I'm a little bit more limited with foods when it comes to probiotics. But I mean, still, I love my Greek yogurt. I love adding a little bit of kimchi, but I don't think that I personally get the quantity that I'm looking for when it comes to probiotics and the type of strains I want.
0: Yeah, I was going to say too, knowing that the multi-strains is helpful in a probiotic, then that probably makes it easier that you can take a supplement with multiple strains instead of like, let me figure out which strains are in my Greek yogurt versus my kimchi. I love your way of let's just keep it simple. It's not like you need to keep adding a thousand supplements, which is what I think the overall comes from. Let's find a high quality probiotic that you love. Like that can be all you need if that's all you want to do.
2: Once you know that you can always add to your routine, you know, find out what works with you, start with the basics so you don't feel overwhelmed and then slowly start incorporating other things that you're interested in. It's a great tip.
0: Keep it simple. That's how I feel about supplements. You know, like Keep it simple. Find a company you trust like My Girl Wellness and then and then keep it simple. That's all you got to do.
2: That's how I am. Even my skincare, you know, pick a few things. I'm not the girl who ha- spends like an hour and a half getting ready. I don't have the time for that. I have a baby, almost two babies, a business. There's so many different parts of my life. I try to be, simplicity is like, my motto in life now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. I feel like the the minimalist and all of us needs to come out sometimes. Speaking of your routine, when it comes to wellness, people think that it's something that has to take a lot of time. So if they're starting a business, if they're in a job that's demanding, then they feel like they don't have time to optimize their health. And so you are the perfect person to ask being as interested and knowledgeable in wellness as you are, and also running a company how do you balance optimizing your health with also having a family and running a business?
2: It's quite the juggling act and I'm not nearly where I'd love to be, but it's about finding that balance of being able to fill up each cup to a certain extent and not neglecting one for the other. So for me, when it comes to my personal health, it's simple, quick, and effective shifts. What can I do each day that support my health and well-being? So for me, it's My supplements, making sure that I'm prioritizing my nutrition, moving my body, hopefully every single day, not meaning a a full workout, but even if it's getting outside for 15, 20 minutes on days where I'm not in Pilates or at the gym, finding something to get outside and just move my body a little bit, even if it's asking a girlfriend to go on a walk or going on a walk with your partner to one knockout, spending quality time together, but also move your body. And then also, I think when it comes to balancing mom life first, work life, and my health communication with your partner and making sure that you set expectations every day of what you need from them in order to be successful on your own. And then what they need from you in order for them to be successful too. So if it's like, Hey, I really am stressed out. I need to go do this workout for myself. What hour can you give up to watch the baby or something like that? or waking up an hour early. My daughter gets up at seven. I've been getting up at six where I have six to 7am is my quiet time. No one else is up in the house, but me, I have my coffee. I can knock out some emails and I can have some me time to recharge and set myself up for the day. That really has helped me knock a bunch of stuff off my list as well too. And then planning out my day ahead of time. So I plan things down to like the 15 minutes like that that I've entered kind of mom, mom life and mom world. It's crazy to see what women are capable of doing even in 15 minutes. It's all about working smarter rather than harder or longer. So the amount of stuff I can get done in 15 minutes now, we're like back in the day, you dilly dally because you go, I only have 15 minutes left. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I found a 15 (laughs) minute time slot, you know? (laughs) So really planning each day ahead of time, I color coordinate things that are personal life, meetings, content time, so really structuring it out and being intentional with your time has has changed it for me as well too.
0: It sounds like the way that you look at your life is like energy spent rather than time spent. And I think that's where people get in that trap is when they're like, I never have enough time to do anything. It's like how do we optimize our energy to make the most of 15 minutes? So it's not just I only have 15 minutes. It's what can I accomplish in 15 minutes? Like being more optimal with your energy and how you spend your time rather than feeling like you never have enough. Do you ever find, cause I, I'm not a mom, but I hear this all the time with mothers that do want to prioritize their wellness. Do you ever feel guilty when you're like, I'm going to get in a workout or do you see it as this is how I show up as my best self for my kid?
2: percent. It's about showing up as the best version of yourself and doing what you need to in order to get there. When I was in the thick of newborn life with my first daughter, who was gosh, I love her, but she was the most difficult, difficult newborn. (laughs) I I swore to myself, I wouldn't have any more kids, (laughs) but I completely neglected my self-care and I was a complete mess. I was in a deep, dark hole of postpartum anxiety and probably low doses of depression that I didn't want to ever acknowledge or recognize. But it made me realize when I got out of that, a happy mom is a happy baby or a happy kid. We have to fill up our own cups in order to fill up Our children's, if we are pouring from an empty glass, they're not getting anything from that. So, me getting in a workout or me going to even sometimes get my nails done or something that makes me happy helps me show up to be the best version of myself or my daughter and really be intentional and present. There were times where I'd feel a little guilty, but then when I realized how much better I was showing up and how much happier I was during that time with my daughter, it it completely made the difference and it took out any guilt. So um, it's really important. And it's something that a lot of moms put on the back burner because we try to be as selfless as possible. Like our kids are our number one priority, but then also like we need to prioritize ourselves too, because our happiness matters. And it really is a direct reflection in our kids.
0: I think also in addition to it being so essential for how you're showing up as a parent, I think you're also teaching your daughter how you want her to show up for herself. Like when she sees you knowing this is mom's time to go do a workout, to go get my nails done, whatever it is, like even as young as she is, I think that she's internalizing those things of, oh yeah, we all deserve time for ourselves. We all deserve to be going after the lives that we want instead of almost like internalizing. I have to give up myself for other people. And I think that that can show up if she's a parent one day but also with partners, with friendships, you know, it's like the value of I get to give to myself first is such an essential one that we should all be teaching our kids. And they learn that by example. As someone who's a non-mom, I think the way it sounds like you're doing it is is so helpful for you, of course, which is the main goal, but also your daughter is getting so much from that too.
2: Oh yeah. And I time block like seven to 8 a.m., is like my time with Aspen uninterrupted. So six to seven, I I knock out some work and it's a little bit of me time. Seven to eight is fully her. So like I get my cup filled up by spending time with my daughter. She gets her cup filled up. So then I can take that into the rest of the day from eight to nine. I have my workout and then nine to four, I work where I don't feel guilty because I spent that hour with her in the morning. And I know then after 4 PM hits, I have four to 7 PM with her nonstop. So I have that next break with her and then I can spend time with my fiance and have dinner and maybe get a little bit more work done. So I know I'm getting those specific times with her. So I don't have to be worrying during those times or feeling guilty when
0: I'm working because I have my cup filled up with that time. That's another really good tip is to be super intentional. I think that even little kids pick up on Are they present with me or not? And it's about how you're spending the time rather than the amount of time. So I think it goes back to being intentional about the time that you're giving rather than feeling like you don't have enough time. It's about like the way that you're intentional about it. I am nowhere near pregnancy, having children. I just want to put that in the universe. I'm not ready. But I also am very... Fascinated about pregnancy and early motherhood and optimizing that experience. Do you have any advice or tips that you swear by during pregnancy? Gosh, I mean, I was
2: one that was blessed with the most severe morning sickness in my first trimester from like oh God. six to thirteen weeks of like think of the worst hangover in your of your entire life where you're spinning, you can't lift your head off the pillow, just nauseous from morning to night every single day. And so it was the most difficult time in my life where I had a business to run. How was I going to do all of that? One, I feel like a lot of it is learning to surrender when you're not feeling up for it. And the craziest job and the hardest job on earth is growing life inside of you. And you might not feel like it on the outside when you're laying in bed, but what your body is doing on the inside is incredible. And so... Being able to surrender and not feel guilty on those like wild days where you're just like, I feel like I'm dying. The mom guilt really set in for me first trimester before I even met my baby. So surrendering, not feeling guilty, rest is very good. And it's actually, it's really productive and it's necessary. That's our body screaming out to us, hey, we need to slow down. So being okay with that. tips to help with first trimester, nausea and sickness, acupuncture changed my life. I wish I found it earlier in my first trimester with Aspen, my daughter. Um, There are specific acupuncture points that really help with nausea. And like the next day, I felt 50% better. The next day, I felt 80% better. And then I would get it once a week or once every 10 days. So definitely recommend that. When it comes to managing fear around labor, because I know a lot of women, I was terrified. And then when I got pregnant, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I kind of like am excited to experience labor. I know it's going to be hard, but we do it over and over and over again. Like that's how babies are brought into this world. So I took a hypnobirthing class. You can do one online online. I have a gal who's in Orange County, where I live, who does them virtually too. You can also do them in person, but it really helps women feel empowered of the birthing process and not scared of it and how to work with contractions and work through them rather than fighting them. So I love taking that class. I took it with my fiance too. And so it was really fun. He learned about his role in the the birthing process and what he can do to support me. So that really helped. And then reframing your thought around labor and the birthing process as it is the last obstacle between you meeting your baby So for me, when I went in there, it was go time. Like, yes, I was a little nervous, but it was such a celebration that I just created the most calming, cool environment where I have my favorite snacks. We made a birthing playlist of all our favorite songs that we'd sing. We were watching Netflix. We were making TikToks, like having a great time. And as a celebration of, oh my gosh, we are about to meet our child. So instead of going into resisting the energy of what's to come, we have to just get through one more road bump or it might not even be a road bump, but one more thing. And then we get to meet our child that we've been working so hard for. Like you've been growing this life for nine and a half months. And you know, in the next 24 to 48 hours, your baby's there.
0: Oh my God. That's so interesting. Those tips are really going to be so helpful for women who are pregnant, want to become pregnant or new moms even too. And I love what you just said, how you called pregnancy pregnancy the hardest job that we'll ever do because it's so freaking true. It's taking every ounce of you to grow a human being like, hello, that's freaking cool. But we're so programmed by the toxic productivity mindset to be like, work equals money. Why do we not see that as the job so that we're able to be like, I'm good to relax and lay in bed for a week, two weeks, the entire first trimester if I have to, knowing that it's a hard job, that's powerful and that's empowering. Okay, before we wrap up, I want to hear from you five wellness things that are non-negotiable for you. It can be supplements, rituals, anything that you swear by. Okay, this might take a little bit, but I'm I'll try to fire <laughs> it.
2: One that I've been so into lately is tongue scraping. So I got it off Amazon. You have to get the metal one. Apparently, that one's better. Tongue scraping first thing in the morning before drinking or eating anything. It is so good for your body. And then also helps eliminate the bacteria and toxins um, from going into your body when you drink water or coffee when you first wake up. So it also helps with your gut health too. But that's been a huge game changer. And I just feel like so much cleaner tongue scraping. And it's, it's pretty fun to do too. Number two is habit stacking when it comes to the excuse of I don't have time or I have too much on my plate and like, you know, find ways to habit stack. So while I'm driving or while I'm making dinner, I'm listening to like an inspirational podcast that I want to be listening to. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. When I'm walking on the treadmill, I'm getting through my inbox or I'm editing content that needs to be done. Cause that takes a shit ton of time. Sorry, excuse my language. But if I'm walking for 45 minutes, I can knock out editing a couple videos or something that I would just be spending another hour doing. And then I love my essential oil, like de-stress slash sleep roller. I just roll it on my wrists, I roll it on my chest and the bottom of my feet. And it helps me fall asleep quicker and stay asleep really well. I can use it when I'm pregnant. And then, like I said, walking after meals as often as possible, especially when it's good weather, or even if it's 10 minutes, just get outside. It lifts your mood. It helps with digestion. And then just... Prioritizing your relationships. I think we get so consumed in our bubble and our life and our work and our day to day that you never know how much is going to brighten your day or someone else's. By picking up the phone and instead of texting, call someone you haven't talked to in a while that you love and want to catch up with. I always do that when I have a, a free few minutes or thirty minutes if I'm on a walk or I'm driving. or just completely changes my mood. But really, being intentional with prioritizing our relationships and showing people that you love that you care about them instead of us turning into these computer and technology monkeys where we're stuck in our phones all day, like really making sure that we're still valuing the relationships in our
0: life. Those were five amazing ones. I know everyone's (laughs) going to need to listen back and take notes because those were really good. We're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First question, Taylor, your favorite go-to breakfast. Oh gosh.
2: Upgraded oatmeal. I love oatmeal. I upgrade it by putting Greek yogurt on for healthy fats to keep me full longer. And then whatever fruit I'm in the mood for, I add some fiber, like chia seeds, flax, nut butter for healthy
0: fats. And it just like sustains me in every way possible throughout the day. That sounds so good. I haven't eaten breakfast yet and my stomach growled angrily and aggressively. Like I <laughs> need oatmeal after you said that. Best piece of advice you've ever received?
2: direction is more important than the speed. Ooh,
0: good one. I haven't heard that. Last question, a book, a podcast, or any other resource that has changed your life that you can share with our audience.
2: If you're a little entrepreneur or someone who wants to chase a passion project, I love how I built this. I'm sure everyone's pretty familiar with it, but I love it because it shows that no matter your age, your experience, or what chapter in life you're at, that you're 100% capable of achieving those dreams. As long as you have a
0: great idea, a lot of drive and hard work. Oh, I got to get more into that. That's so inspiring. I love Taylor. Where can everyone find you shop micro wellness products? And then I know you have a fun discount code for our audience. So share where everyone can get more of you. So micro wellness is just at micro wellness, www.microwellness.com.
2: Like I said, we have our gut health line. We also just launched into functional powder. So we have a hormone balancing powder and energy and focus, a skin and hydration. We have a sexual health line, which is like so sassy and fun when some new things coming. bring. So the discount code, let's do 15% off. On all products. We'll make it every girl 15. I'll set that up right after this. And then you can find me at Taylor Burke, T A Y L A B U R K E. DM me on either account. I'll answer it. Would love to
0: chat and connect, answer any questions, and just say hi. Yay. That is so generous of you. Thank you, Taylor, for giving us the discount. You guys definitely go get the probiotics. If you're not convinced enough already, Micro Wellness has such amazing, high quality probiotics. That's the one that I'd start with. And I feel like we got to do a part two because I want to ask you about sexual wellness too. I feel like there's so much okay. there. So uh, so go check I it out, you guys. Help. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you could go on about a lot of stuff. Yeah. We'll have like some serious girl talk on the
2: next one, talking about sexual health and closing the pleasure gap and everything like that. Oh, uh,
0: that's my shit. That's what I need, <laughs> Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations again on the new baby. I will be thinking of you and your family. This has been so much fun. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it, Josie. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at the Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or the everygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week.